T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. a good idea have a point it makes it so much more interesting for the listener and welcome to at your service brad young in with you this evening until 10 o'clock hey thanks for staying up this evening uh you know i'm very much aware that there, there's all kinds of things to do so we do not uh, uh take for granted that you are here with us here on camo x this evening thank you for doing that also i haven't said this in a while and in fact ironically I got an email from a listener saying, Brad, you don't give your email address often enough. Now, I thought about it, and I thought, how could you email me if I don't give my email address often enough? It's kind of like when I'm at a seminar and the speaker gets up and says, can everyone hear me? And it always occurs to me that if if the person can't hear you, then how can they respond and by asking the question, you're really only asking those who can hear you if they can hear you. It's self-defeating. So why even ask the question? Because if they can't hear you, they can't respond. Sorry, I'm not trying to turn this into a Dennis Miller rant. I just want to make sure that I give my email address because uh, my law firm, Harris, Stowell, Fisher & Young, uh, if you want to send me an email at any time, I always, always respond to listeners uh, I get a lot of emails, and I respond to every single one of them. B Young, the letter B Y U N G at HarrisDowell.com, H A R R I S as in Sam, D as in David, O W E L L dot com. Always love to hear from you. Uh, the other thing I want to mention, and I want to pull up Matt Pajeski here and talk to him for a moment about this today, and and I don't understand this. I there's. There's more I don't understand tonight than what I do. And today is National Ice Cream Day. Now, first of all, Matt, does it make any sense to you that you would have National Ice Cream Day in December? No, makes no sense. Does that, who picked December 13 for National Ice Cream Day? I don't know. But I, I do have to be honest. I do have Ted Drew's ice cream almost every December. When we go down to Ted Drew's, we look at the Christmas tree. Oh, we, yeah. We go to Candy Cane Lane. And usually it's sure. it's freezing outside. But we... I bundle up and I I buck up and I get an ice cream for some well, reason middle of December you know, outside. I, I got ice cream from Ted Drews two weeks through three weeks ago. Yeah. It was cold. I went there. I have to admit, okay. Yeah. After I set up my own argument, I'm now knocking it down by mocking <laughs> the, uh, ice cream day. Of course, Ted Drews isn't ice cream, so one right. could say 
that has nothing to do with ice cream day because that's frozen custard. Right. It should be frozen custard day today. And I don't know when frozen custard – I guess every day is frozen custard day if you're a fan of yeah. Ted Drews. So that's obviously the case. But uh, ice cream, what is your favorite ice cream? Well, I, I, I got to go with the, the classic chocolate. Yep. But then if we're talking like toppings, I like to have like a little brownie chunks in the chocolate mm-hmm. or uh, some places we'll even do like Kit Kats on top of the chocolate ice cream. Also can't go wrong with strawberries mixed in the chocolate ice cream. I think it's great. Oh, it's fantastic. Well, I looked up. Uh, YouGov had a, uh, had a poll that came out today since it was National Ice Cream Day about the top flavors of ice cream. Some of these, uh, I'm going to get your reaction. Okay, uh, Coming in at number 13 is birthday cake, cake batter. Have you ever even had that? No. No, I'm not. I mean, if, if everything else was gone from Baskin-Robbins, like they had nothing else. It was either birthday cake, cake batter, or what we swept off the floor. All right, I would go with them with cake sure. batter. Yeah, but that's that's about it. Uh, chocolate shit. No, actually, Neapolitan came in at thirteen. Birthday cake was. Uh, uh, I guess they were tied. But Neapolitan, you even know what Neapolitan is? That's when we get a little bit of everything: the yeah. chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, chocolate chip came in. It was also tied with pistachio. And then uh, number nine, coffee and Rocky Road. Do you like coffee ice cream? No. I barely like coffee, much less coffee-flavored things. Mm-hmm. Well, do you like how coffee smells? Yes. I love how it Isn't smells. Isn't that interesting? Because people like, like my wife, she doesn't like, she'll drink it. She says, oh, I'm just a social drinker for coffee, right? <laughs> yeah. I think that's a term used for something else. Right, yeah. Uh, but she'll drink it, but she loves the way it smells, hates how it tastes. And so uh, she likes to tease me and say, I'll have a little bit of coffee with my cream, please. Oh, yeah. And so then I, I put that together. But uh, but uh, I noticed a lot of people who love the smell hate the taste. It smells so good waking up in the morning like it, or walking into a coffee shop or a bakery. You smell the coffee and then you, you take the first sip and, oh, man, <laughs> it's brutal. Well, my, uh, my coal miner dad started giving me uh, coffee at like six years old. Yeah. So I, I started... <laughs> Which may actually explain my lifelong high blood pressure now that I think about it. Uh, chocolate chip cookie dough, Rocky Road, cookies and cream came in. It's, there's a whole bunch of ones that are tied for seventh. Uh, mint chocolate chip is also on the list. Butter pecan. Now, I, I'm not a fan. I think butter pecan is either you love it or you hate it. Have you had butter pecan? I don't even think I've ever had it. But I would imagine I probably wouldn't like I, it. Yeah, I don't like it. And 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 I've got relatives that love pecan, and if I say something bad about like pecan pie, I know the phones are going to light up. But and, and we've got interviews, so we'll we'll deal with this later. But that's in there. But the top three: strawberry, vanilla, and chocolate. As it should be. As it should be. But what's interesting is with all these, and Baskin Robbins got what up to eight thousand four hundred and seventy-two flavors. No matter how many of those you get, it still comes down to. The big three, mm. strawberry, vanilla, and chocolate. And if you're indecisive, just get the Neapolitan. You get a little bit of... And you get a little oh. bit of everything. That's right. It takes care of those who are indecisive. At least I think it does. Does it? I'm not sure. Maybe it does. Who knows? I'm not sure. Uh, anyway, enough with that frivolity. Hey, coming up after the break, we're going to talk to Jim Carafano. You've heard him and seen him on Fox News. He is the policy... Uh, the uh, n- the policy expert, rather, for the Heritage Foundation dealing with international affairs. And he's going to join us after the break to talk about what's going on right now in Ukraine. Not so much the nuts and bolts, but the big picture. What's the strategy? Where is this going? How can Russia stay in the fight? How does this impact the United States? 
All of that is coming up after the break here on At Your Service on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. your service brad young sitting in with you uh for you this evening and uh i wanted to talk about what's going on in ukraine and right now we're trying to reach uh, uh jim carafano from the heritage foundation to talk to him about this but one of the things that i that i find fascinating when i think about the war in ukraine right now is how things have transitioned over time i, I wasn't i mean i was technically alive during the vietnam war but i wasn't cognizant of anything but the Vietnam War was the first war that was the, the results of which were broadcast on television. You know, historically, World War II, uh, people caught up on what was going on at the war when they went to see movies. In Vietnam, it was television. And then Iraq, the Iraq War, we got to see on the evening news, but live from the Iraq War. And then now when you look at the situation going on in Ukraine, to me, it's the first ever social media war, because everything that you see that's going on right now in Ukraine, you can actually see it happening on social media. Now, I'm not trying to make light of what's going on, but I watched a a video yesterday. It was video of a drone or from a drone, a Ukrainian drone. And some of these Ukrainian drones, the smaller ones, will drop grenades from the bottom of the drone. They can carry about four or five grenades. These are the small ones. And to me, it was just surrealistic to see this on social media, the footage from the drone, and it's dropping grenades on a Russian dude who was in a trench all by himself, lying on his side in the fetal position. And the drone kept dropping grenades on this guy in the trench. But because it's from a drone, it it, it didn't hit and explode on impact. It's a grenade. It's timed. And so these grenades would come out, you would see them come out, and they would land on this guy in the trench, and he would pick them up and throw them out of the trench, and then they would blow up. And so whoever was operating the drone kept dropping grenades on this one guy. And and you got to see it was in 4K video, and he kept picking them up and throwing them away, and the guy was never harmed by any of these, these grenades falling. And it, it astounded me that that this is something that we've never seen before, because whether it was World War II, whether it was Vietnam, or whether it was the Iraq War, even though they were all covered differently from a media perspective, 
the one thing that connected those three wars, World War II, Vietnam, and the Iraq War, what connected them was everything that you saw was filtered by the media that was presenting it to you. So if you watched Walter Cronkite during the Vietnam War, and I never did, I wasn't old enough, but if you did, you got to see what Walter Cronkite wanted to show you. Or you got to see whatever the reporters in World War II that was shown at the theaters, at the movie theaters. And even during the Iraq War, you got to see what Charles Jaco or uh, and I, I'm some of the other guys that come, come, are not coming to mind right now, the reporters that we got to see during World War II. Uh, Bernard Shaw was one of them that brought us the news on CNN uh, during the Iraq War. But again, you got to see the stories that they wanted to tell you. But with the current Ukrainian war, you're seeing video from the front lines that's unfiltered. It's not designed to tell a specific story. It's not designed to advance an agenda. You're literally seeing what the soldiers are seeing and experiencing and posting it on social media. And that's something that simply never happened in the history of warfare before now. And I, and I think that that is a perspective that we have never seen. The unfiltered, unvarnished, brought to you without any sort of an angle or trying to advance an agenda, but simply this is what's going on from the perspective of the soldiers on the ground. And sure, we saw in Iraq that the, that the soldiers would be embedded with the U.S. military and they would show you video and they would bring you interviews from the front lines. But again, that's something that was later edited and packaged to tell you a story. Not that that's necessarily wrong, but what you're seeing now is just the experience of the soldiers. And to me, that's something that's something that we've never, never experienced before. And so as I'm watching this drone footage of this drone dropping grenades on this hapless Russian dude in a trench who keeps throwing the grenades out of the trench, I thought, well, first of all, we've never seen anything like that before. But secondly, you know, there's always going to be wars. There's always going to be conflict. What's going to be next? What are we going to see next? Because we progressed from real, reel-to-reel type video to on the evening news to live on the 24-hour news stations to social media. But what's going to be the next media presentation of warfare? Will it be live body cams all the time? Will it, you could, could you be sponsoring certain soldiers to get their live video feed, like, a say, a military version of uh, OnlyFans? I mean, is that what we're going to see next? I don't know where it's going to be next, but whatever is going to come next is something that we can't necessarily imagine because I know that our fathers and grandfathers couldn't have imagined the social media coverage that we have right now of the Ukrainian war. So keep that in mind. And as we try to get uh, Jim Carafano, we'll try to catch up with him later in the show. That's something that I'm going to be interested in asking him about as well. Uh, you heard at the top of the hour, you heard uh, our own uh, Sean Michael Lyle talk about what was going on today uh, in the Lamar Johnson case, where Kim Gardner is arguing for the release of Lamar Johnson. And just yesterday, and this was some of the most 
dramatic, non-fictional uh, audio and video that I've ever seen where someone is on the stand saying, I committed a murder. Now, we, you know, we see it on TV shows all the time. It's something that happens on Law & Order. But, you know, hey, look, that dude's a member of SAG-AFTRA. He's getting paid. He didn't really do it. He's just reading lines. But in the Lamar Johnson, we actually heard, we actually heard a person confess to murder under oath to say that Lamar Johnson didn't commit the murder. I did. But what we didn't hear, and I think you may have heard it a little bit today here on Camel X, was that the judge, and the judge who's presiding over this case is a, is a judge by the name of David Mason. I know David Mason. I've talked to him many times. We're not friends, but I've met him at functions. And uh, he's a very decisive gentleman, which is good if you're a judge. But he started asking Kim Gardner today, have you charged this gentleman who just confessed to murder on the stand? And Kim Gardner doesn't give a reply. And so Judge Mason says again, have you charged this man for confessing to murder? And Kim Gardner again stutters, doesn't provide an answer. And finally, Kim Gardner says, and you can't really hear this on the video or on the audio, but she says something to the effect of, well, we're reviewing that. And Judge Mason explodes at that response and and is really implicitly questioning, why wouldn't you charge a man who just testified under oath to committing murder? And Judge Mason is also going to be calling back that witness to have him testify on the stand as to whether or not Kim Gardner's office informed him that by confessing to murder, you might be charged. In fact, you probably will be charged with murder if you are under oath and in court and you confess to a crime. You know, this is not murder, she wrote. Angela Lansbury is not hanging out around this scene. This is real life. And to me, what it really comes down to is when you look at Kim Gardner and you look at how she's approached this office, how she's handled her tenure as the circuit attorney of the city of St. Louis, She's far more interested in releasing criminals than she is at putting them behind bars. She's far more interested in uh, making sure that people are not charged with a crime, not arrested for a crime, than she is for punishing those who actually commit a crime. And to me, that's a problem. And we see how this is a problem in the city of St. Louis when you look at the finalists for the position of the chief of police of the city of St. Louis. This is what my point. Just yesterday, there was, there was there were four finalists for the job. One of the gentlemen bowed out yesterday, and his name was Melron Kelly. He removed himself from consideration as one of the four finalists to be St. Louis's next police chief. And he is currently a deputy chief in Columbia, South Carolina. He was very interested in this job. He talked about, in his interview, he talked about how excited he was coming to St. Louis and finding it to be a charming community, and he was interested in being a member of this community. But here is what is the, or here's why, rather, the reason he withdrew himself from being considered to be the chief of police of the city of St. Louis. Tuesday night of last week, there was a virtual town hall, 
And he was the only one to appear at this virtual town hall. It was done by Zoom. And there was a a trauma surgeon and an activist by the name of of Dr., uh, I believe it's L.J. Punch, asked this particular candidate, Mel Ron Kelly, questions about their vision and their qualifications for being for being the next chief of police for the city of St. Louis. And here's what Mel Ron Kelly said. We went on to say, and in addition to talking about how he was interested and intrigued in St. Louis and wanted to come here, wanted to be part of the community, this is what he said, that in order to reduce violent crime, police need to identify the core group of people who commit the majority of crimes, investigate them, and remove them from society. And that's a quote. So Mel Ron Kelly, who's currently the deputy chief of police for Columbia, South Carolina, said something that that the, the vast majority of Americans would agree with, that if you want to reduce crime, the police need to identify those who are committing the crime and remove them from society. And yet this activist by the name of Dr. L.J. Punch said, does removing someone from society who has done an act of violence, does it actually reduce violence? And, and Mel Ron Kelly again repeated his position. But he caught a lot of grief about that. And there was a lot of feedback about that. And because of that feedback, he withdrew himself from consideration to be the next chief of police in the city of St. Louis. Now, if you wanted to read about this story, I found the story on the Post-Dispatch website. It was at the bottom of the story. It was at the very end, this exchange of information about his supposedly controversial statement that police should remove criminals from society. And that's controversial. And because of that, he withdrew himself from consideration to be the next chief of police. Now, folks, that demonstrates this idea that Kim Gardner seems to embrace. And that is the role of police, the role of the circuit attorney's office, is to not fight crime, to not punish criminals, but to advance a social agenda. And you know what? If you want to advance a social agenda, that's fine. Join an organization, promote your ideas. The First Amendment applies to you. Get a bullhorn and shout it from the corners all across the uh, St. Louis area. But you don't run the police department with that philosophy. And you don't run the circuit attorney's office under a concept of we don't punish criminals. That's absurd. And it's ridiculous. And it explains why we probably lost a fantastic candidate for the chief of police in St. Louis because he was, he was so audacious, so controversial to suggest that we remove criminals from society. And now, I don't know the other two candidates, but I can tell you what, I believe with every fiber of my being that we lost a great potential candidate in Mel Ron Kelly. Hey, we've got more coming up after the break. In fact, coming up after this break, we're going to talk to we're going to talk to the new president of Central Bank in St. Louis, Dan Kleffner, about what's going on with the economy and how it could affect you. Brad Young at your service on KMOX. Don't go away. 
listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's gonna go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. With inflation at the highest level since the 1990s, think about supply chain issues, the war in Ukraine, COVID, now RSV and influenza. I mean, we're almost to the point where we've got, as they said in Ghostbusters, dogs and cats living together. I mean, it's difficult to know where the U.S. economy is going with all of this turmoil. So I reached out today to the new president of Central Bank of St. Louis, Dan Kleffner, to help steer us around these economic landmines. Hey, Dan Kleffner, welcome back to Camo X. Thank you, Brad. Great to be with you. Uh, let's start. Uh, Go ahead. No, I was going to say you painted quite a picture there. <laughs> <laughs> Dogs and cats. Dogs and cats living together. Yeah, watch the first Ghostbuster movie and uh, uh, you'll laugh a a lot. Hey, let's start with inflation. Let's start with inflation because historically, inflation has been one of the most negative factors in degrading wealth in this country. I mean, if you put if you put 10 bucks in the bank and you're getting one percent interest rate and inflation's at five, you're losing four percent every year. So what's the most recent data from the Federal Reserve regarding inflation? Yeah, uh, 2022, it's it's really been a brutal year uh, with inflation. Um, and, uh, and as you mentioned, in June, I think we hit probably the high uh, for the year at 9.1% consumer price index. Um, uh, and uh, and so the good news is today the Bureau of Labor, the Labor Department, came out with their numbers for the for the current uh, consumer price index, and it's down to 7.1 percent, which is down from 7.7 percent last year. So there's been a deceleration of inflation uh, over the last couple of months. So it's still high, but it's going in the right direction. Correct. Correct. So that's that's good news for everybody. It is. And when the Federal Reserve increases rates, that, of course, impacts the cost of everything from home loans to car loans to credit card interest. And and my question is, will the Fed continue to increase interest rates into the new year? And will the rate of those increases change compared to what we've seen during the recent rate increases? Right, right. Well, you're you're correct. Um, If you're taking out a new loan or if you have a loan or a credit line that's based on a floating interest rate, you're going to see an increase. You've been seeing increases in your monthly payments on those loans. Um, and unfortunately, until you know we can tame inflation or the Fed can tame inflation, um, and they've got very few tools to do it other than raising interest rates, um, we're going to go ahead and we'll see them you know continue to increase rates. We expect that tomorrow when they conclude their meetings, uh, we'll probably end up with another 50 basis point hike, another half a percent hike in the interest rates. Um, and uh, they'll meet again um, early in 2023. And we would expect that we'll probably see a little bit of a deceleration, especially if the inflation rate continues to improve. We should see that drop from a 50 basis point raise that we'll see tomorrow, which is down from 
several 75 basis point increases that we've had throughout uh, 2022. But in 2023, we expect that to drop to maybe two or three 25 basis point increases. And then they'll probably stop, pause, and reevaluate the situation and, uh, and see where they are. And, and as far as tomorrow goes, the, the half a percentage point increase, that's been broadcasted for a long time. So we know that's going to happen. But what is it about watching the notes and the comments? And, and folks are like zeroed in. It's almost like they're reading scripture when they look and parcel every single word from the Federal Reserve. What, what kind of clues will folks be looking for as far as any statements that come from the Fed tomorrow? Well, I think they're I think they're trying to be a little bit more transparent. Um, so, I, you know, I, I, in my opinion, I think that uh, Chairman Powell will continue tr- to try to uh, to share his best guess on where he thinks things are going to go. But you know, it's uh, until we see results in the actual uh, CPI numbers or whatever core numbers that they're using. Um, it'll be tough to really predict with any accuracy. We're uh, we're talking to Dan Kleffner. He's the president of Central Bank here in St. Louis. And let's talk about the housing market for a moment. I was just talking with a friend of mine not too long ago that he'd like to buy a house, but interest rates are, are too high. Uh, but what I found interesting, Dan, was that mortgage rates dropped slightly after the recent inflation report. But we've certainly seen a significant uh, softening of the housing market over the past few months, haven't we? We have, we have. Um, you know, I think the St. Louis Realtors have come out recently, um, and I think sales are down approximately thirty percent over what they were last year. But we're also coming off an extremely hot housing market, uh, as anybody, as everybody knows, and you know, anybody that you know that may have been looking to buy a house, they've been competing with ten different offers. Um, you know, and so. It, a little bit of a cool down probably isn't terrible. In fact, prices are actually fairly steady um, over where they were last year. So um, while rates are up and the price of buying a house in terms of a, a payment on your home are up, um, they're still historically pretty affordable. I think today our seven our seven year arm was approximately five and a half percent, which is not a great rate. But like you mentioned, it's down from where it was several months ago. Hmm. And we're also expecting one of the largest cost of living increases, I believe, in history for Social Security recipients. But will that be enough of an increase to offset the impact of inflation that we've seen over the past uh, couple of years? Well, you'd hope so. I mean, we we just talked about the rate, the inflation rate being at 7.1 percent over last year. And I think the I think the cost of living increase is close to 9%, 8.7%, I think, uh, for Social Security increases for next year. So, you know, we hope that's going to be enough. But then last year, um, I think the rate, the uh, the cost of living increase was closer to 6%, 5.9%. And, uh, and you see what happened this year where mm-hmm. rates you know, skyrocketed to 9.1%. So, you know... The signals right now are good that we, you know, that it should be enough, but um, but we'll see. We're talking to Dan Kleffner, president of Central Bank here in St. Louis. And Dan, the end of the year, it, it's a, it's always a good time at the end of the year for families to to look at their assets, to look at their portfolio, to look at their finances. 
and make any adjustments that might need to make for the coming year, whether it's just personal finances or even planning for retirement. So how should families approach this year-end financial review? Well, with with four kids, um, I was usually happy to finish the year with anything less. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, no, seriously, I, you know, I think your listeners, if if they don't already have a a plan that they follow, a financial plan that they follow, um, they need to, to start thinking about developing a plan that uh, that provides for consistent savings, uh, keeping in mind big ticket items like buying a house or buying a car, or, you know, college tuition for the kids. Um, vacations, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and if you don't have a, a solid financial partner with, you know, experience and somebody you can trust, then, you know, I think you need to find somebody that uh, that fits that bill for you. Well, and that actually leads me to, to my last question. We're talking to Dan uh, Kleffner of uh, Central Bank St. Louis. What What can Central Bank provide to make sure that listeners are really properly positioned financially for the coming year? Well, um, you know, we've been around for a very long time. We've uh, our bank's been around for 120 years, um, and we've um, we've worked with businesses, we've worked with uh, individuals, uh, we worked with we work with uh, um, you know public entities, charities, what have you. And um, you know, at the end of the day, we we operate our business like a family-run business. We've been owned by the same family. Um, uh, for, you know, the last four generations. And, uh, you know, whether you need capital for your business or a mortgage for your house or if you're looking to buy a car or, uh, you know, or if you're looking to take advantage of these higher interest rates, um, which fortunately a lot of our, you know, long-term depositors are benefiting from, um, I'd say come visit us and we'd be happy to take care of you. Very good. Uh, Dan Kleffner, if, if folks want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to reach you at Central Bank? Uh, you can reach us at 314-862-8300, or we're on the internet at centralbank.net. Very good. Dan Kleffner, president of Central Bank St. Louis, thanks for joining us this evening here on KMOX. Uh, my pleasure, Brad. Thank you. Great to talk to you. Hey, I want to open the phone lines up tonight because anytime we talk about economic issues, a lot of these issues, and I enjoy them. I, I I took a lot of economics classes in college. I do a lot of economics in connection with the work that I do. I enjoy it. But I enjoy it because it's it's philosophical. It's intellectual. But it's all intellectual until you can't pay your bills. And then it stops being an intellectual exercise, and it starts to be an act of survival or decision-making. So I guess I want to move away from the conceptual and move to the practical. How is the economy impacting you right now? People talk about gas prices going up, gas prices going down. How does that impact you right now as we're going into that holiday season, as we bought the turkeys for Thanksgiving or as you're buying gifts for your friends and relatives? How is the economy impacting you and what changes are you making to make sure that you have enough money at the end of the month? 314-436-7900 at your service, KMOX. I'm always a sucker for a good poll, and that's why I, I enjoy reading polls from different pollsters, not just about politics, but about all kinds of things, whether it's, for example, I got a poll, maybe we'll talk about it later in the show, who makes the best frozen pizzas, and there's polling data on this. There's polling data on everything. But one of the polls that came out today was from Gallup. And the question was, 
the question posed is that what is the greatest problem facing America in 2022? What's the greatest problem? And it's not about necessarily an individual or an issue. It's not about a a party, whether it's Democrat Party or Republican Party, but it's about a concept, an idea. What's the greatest problem facing America in 2022? So I wanted to ask, of course, board operator extraordinaire Matt Pajeski, how would you answer that question? It's a loaded question, Brad. It is. My uh, my extraordinaire is limited to being a board operator, not a. Oh uh, come on! No, so I mean, you're this, a well reasoned, a uh, well rounded, world traveling, keep going, wise and intelligent young man. Okay, well, thank you. Now, now I've got more courage. I think uh, <laughs> this. I, I think a lot of people really struggled with. Um, this, this whole the whole Twitter takeover this year, they acted like it was like the end of the world that Twitter was in peril and that there's new ownership. And I, I'm I'm a Twitter user and I, I like it and I enjoy it. But if it was if it was going to crash, you know, next week, I wouldn't have had a problem with it. But that seemed to like influence everybody's daily life where they weren't sure when the last day was going to be, and they acted like it was the absolute end of the world. And I thought it was totally blown out of proportion. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're on Twitter, Brad, but the the day to day. Features of it are almost 100% similar to what it used to be. I don't know. That's just my personal well, take. And, and I want to ask you about that because that is something I didn't expect. It wasn't on my uh, radar to have that as an issue. But why do you think that is? In other words, what is the mindset of folks who thought that if Twitter changes ownership, my goodness, it's the end of the world. What's the mindset from your perspective that would bring someone to be so fearful of something that's so, I'm not going to say inconsequential, but but so marginally important in reality. Yeah, I, so I guess this would probably be a better way to phrase the answer to your question. The problem is the is our dependency and almost addiction, I would say, to, to social media, hmm. whether it's Facebook or Instagram or, in this case, Twitter. If uh, It's just really it's our, our total dependency and, and lack of independency outside of outside of Twitter where we see this as the number one news source, number one entertainment source. It's like it's it seems like a black mirror episode or a Twilight Zone episode. This is this is our mm. daily, our news, our entertainment, everything in one spot. Wow. Yeah, it is and it is a black mirror. And Black Mirror, by the way, if you haven't seen that show on Netflix, you should go and watch it. It's a it's an amazing show. You may not like the stories that are told but they're told in a way that makes you uh, introspective and examine our values. And I, I, I find that show to be very compelling, Black Mirror. But, but you hit on something, this idea that, that if, our, if our entirety of our lives is engrossed in one medium being Twitter, and if the, if the foundations of Twitter are at least allegedly or supposedly in jeopardy, I, I can see where that would really shake someone to the core of their being if everything that they are and their in total identity is wrapped around a social media program. Yeah, and I, I'm guilty of doing this where Twitter will be the last thing I look at before I go to bed and the first thing I look mm-hmm. at when I wake up in the morning, which I have to think is grossly unhealthy. Like, that cannot be a good thing. And I, I've noticed that even, like, I start forming opinions that I wouldn't have even had if I had not seen somebody else post that on Twitter which I'm asking myself, like, why? Why do I think this? Well, it's because I saw somebody else think it. So, like, it's to- totally taking away my own like independent thoughts because I'm I'm constantly being exposed to other people's opinions, other people's viewpoints when maybe I wouldn't have established that opinion mm-hmm. on my own. 
Well, I, I don't think it's ever a bad thing to be exposed to different points of view. Right, right, right. But uh, what can be sometimes problematic is when we allow those other points of view to change our core values. Yeah. And, and we see that happening, for example, and I'm bringing this up because on this Gallup poll, uh, the number one answer, 19 percent of all uh, people who responded to this Gallup poll, it's a Gallup poll. It's not some cheesy poll. It's a it's a legitimate national polling company. 19 percent of all respondents, number one answer was that the government was the most important problem facing the country uh, in 2022. And um, and why, and I guess the point that I'm trying to make here is that a lot of times folks on social media are so surrounded in an echo chamber of people that they agree with that really the opposite happens, that they're not exposed to any opinions that they disagree with. Have you, have you known people that, that are on social media and if they only follow and are oh, yeah. friends with people who agree with them, they never hear anything that challenges their ideas or beliefs. Yeah, and that's how these social media platforms are designed to work. There's algorithms of where when you like or follow a certain thing, the algorithm is going to constantly keep rewarding you for mm-hmm. that. It's going to give you more of that. It's going to say, hey, you should, uh, if you like this, you might want to check out this guy's profile or this guy's post, which is all, again, catered to that same uh, in, in the same vein as to whatever you were already liking before that. So it's 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 all part of the algorithm. It's, that's how it ropes you in and, and keeps you in. It is. And, and there's a there was a an experiment that was done. I, I, I saw these films in college. I don't know how old they are, and there's probably some that are newer. But the experiment was that rats were given a choice between opium and food. And if you if the rat hit a bar, it was given a dose of opium, or if it hit a different bar, it would get a pellet of food. And at first, the rat would always choose the food over the opium. But after a few hits on the opium, it would hit the opium bar so often that it would stop eating the food and the rat would literally die in the face of food. All it had to do was hit the food bar and it would be fed, but the rat would starve to death from hitting the opium. And, of course, the point of that study was to show how addictive uh, uh, opium could be. But, Matt Pajeski, what I'm asking you is, is that with these algorithms and social media, have we come to a point where social media is like the opium to the rats, where, where we're being rewarded by the dopamine rush in our heads and the algorithms are playing on this to really create an addiction to social yeah, media? I think so. Every time you open it up, it's a, a, just a quick dopamine hit. It's a reward almost because I'm seeing things that I want to see again because mm-hmm. it's, it's catered to me that way. It's like uh, I think they call it confirmation bias, where you yes. see, you see the things you want to see, so it's going to keep you coming back for that. Absolutely, man. Throwing out terms like confirmation bias oh, yeah. in there, Matt Pajeski. Thanks for your analysis, my friend. Hey, coming up in the next hour, we've got free speech cases we're going to talk about. We've got uh, uh, the Biden administration trying to force Catholic churches to perform transgender surgery. More and more news of the day right here on X at your service. Listen, don't go away. It's stormy outside. You can't go anywhere anyway. Stay close to the radio right here on 1120 X. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.